Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 33, week 33, volume 33, number fucking 33. How you going guys? How's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. So this week, as always, there is the Mosh News. We've got some Mosh reviews and our Mosh interview this week is with Josh of Earthcaller. All of that coming up in a very stacked show. So let's kick things off as we do every week, and that is with the Mosh News. We had a new music video this week from Pig Destroyer. The song is called Mount Skull, and it's coming off their new album that will be released very soon called Head Cage through Relapse Records. This music video is fucking entertaining and brutal music to go along with it. You know Pig Destroyer, you know the grindcore pioneers and legends of the scene have done it again. Really good video, really good song, really excited for that album to come out soon. So the song is called Mount Skull, the album's called Head Cage, it's coming out through Relapse Records, make sure you check that out. Suicidal Tendencies released another track from their upcoming album, The album's called Still Cairo After All These Years, and the song is called It's Always Something. Really good to have Suicidal Tendencies back in the game with new music. Technically, this isn't really new music. It is just a reworked song off Mike's solo album, but still, it's new Suicidal Tendencies tunes. Make sure you check that out, and make sure if you don't know who Suicidal Tendencies are, Make sure you're discovering them now. They're definitely a pioneer in this crossover game. They are so influential on so many bands that are going around today. So the song is called It's Always Something. The upcoming album is called Still Cairo After All These Years. Make sure you check all of that out. Speaking of crossover, the crossover experts from Europe... Rise of the North Star have released another song of their upcoming album. The song is called, ironically, This Is Crossover, and the album it is coming off is called The Legacy of She. Really good song. I think Rise of the North Star with this sophomore album will really get to more people. I remember discovering them by chance on their first EP, and they're a band that have grown and grown over the years. As I said, this second album could really break them into the big time. They are big as hell in some parts of Europe and very, very big in Japan. So really exciting song and really can't wait to delve into that album very soon. So it is Rise of the North Star. The song is called This Is Crossover and the album is called The Legacy of She. Burn the Priest, a.k.a. Lamb of God, have released an animated music video from their recent covers album called Legion XX. The song is a ministry cover, and the song is called Jesus Built My Hot Rod. Really entertaining video, not what you're expecting, but really good. Make sure you check that out, and if you haven't yet, make sure you check out that covers album. So the song's called Jesus Built My Hot Rod. It's off Legion XX, and it is by Burn the Priest. Canadian melodic hardcore legends counterpart have released a new music video for their song Selfishly I Sink, which comes off their upcoming EP called Private Room. Really good song, really strong song. This whole EP Private Room, I'm surprised 
These songs didn't make the last album. These songs are all apparently B-sides or songs that didn't make the cut. And both that we've heard are really strong, really good song, and counterparts are definitely on top of their game as always. So the song is called Selfishly I Sink. It's off Private Room, which comes out very soon through Pure Noise Records, and it is all done by counterparts. British hardcore punks Grove Street Families have unleashed a brand new song and music video for their track, Shift. Now, Grove Street Families are one of these bands that Australians haven't quite discovered yet, and people need to. They're a band that do this turnstile, trapped under ice style of hardcore punk. It's really inventive, really forward-thinking, and a lot of fun. There's just a good-time vibe around this band. I really, really, really recommend them if you haven't heard of them. And they are, of course, Grove Street Families, and the song is called Shift. Speaking of British bands, well, technically these guys are Scottish. Revulsion have released a new song called Dirt. And fuck, it is sludgy, doomy, hardcore. This is really good stuff. Really, really strong stuff. Now, this is only a single at the moment. Hopefully, we will have a new EP or album from these Scots very soon. But this definitely whets the appetite and gets you excited for what's ahead. So the song is called Dirt. The band are called Revulsion, and that is out now. Metalcore Horror Boys Ice Nine Kills have announced their new album will be called The Silver Scream. It is coming out October 5th through Fearless Records. To coincide with the news, they also released a music video for The American Nightmare. Now that song is their take on Nightmare on Elm Street. This album is 13 tracks and apparently each track is written about a horror movie. So if this is your thing, if Ice Nine Kills is your kind of jam, you're going to want to hear that song, The American Nightmare, and you're going to want to pre-order and get your hands on the new album called The Silver Scream, which comes out October 5th on Fearless Records. Last bit of mosh news this week is Lit Up, the Sydney new metal band, have released their debut track slash debut music video for their song Triggered. It is going to come off their first EP, their debut EP, which will be titled Young Heart. Now, Lit Up are half made up of ex-Hand of Mercy guys. Last week on episode 32, we chatted with Adam, who's ex-Hand of Mercy and the vocalist of Lit Up, and this is the first taste we've had of their music. And fuck, it's so enjoyable. It's so new metal, and it's unapologetically new metal, but it's really, really, really good fun. It has feelings of Third Strike, POD, Floor, Head PE. It's really entertaining and really good to see a band that love the new metal and don't give a fuck. They want to play it. I really can't wait to hear the EP, which will be titled Young Heart, as I said. Adam told me hopefully the EP will be released by the end of September and I'm really keen to delve in and discover all of the jams on this EP. So the song is called Triggered, it is by Lit Up and it is out now. So that's it for the Mosh News this week. Not a lot going on, 
bit of a quiet week, but still some really exciting music videos and some really exciting new songs have been revealed. So if you want to check out those new songs, those new music videos, the new artworks, tour news, pre-order links, all of that information that we have discussed, you can find it on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com and our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone and we're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you're subscribing to the website so you're receiving email notifications when a new piece of news is released. Also make sure you're liking and following our social medias. Make sure you're connected with us so that when we reveal the new news, you stay up to date. It is now time for Mosh Reviews. First album up for review this week is the new album by Alice in Chains called Rainier Fog, out now on BMG Records. This is Alice in Chains' sixth album in their discography and their first album in around about five years. It is also their third album with vocalist William Duval. Alice in Chains are often noted as a very pivotal, very important band from grunge's heyday. But Alice in Chains are not a band that play the grunge that we do know from bands like Nirvana and Soundgarden. Alice in Chains always offer quite a bit more with their grunge. There is a lot of sludge, there's a lot of doom, and they're definitely probably the heaviest band from the grunge heyday. First thing you have to note about Rainier Fog is they're not really breaking into any new territory on this album. There is a lot of the signature brand sounds you expect from Alice in Chains. There's the vocal harmonies with the droning guitar work going on around them. But that's not a negative thing. This band know what they do, and they do it very well. I said there earlier that they're one of the heavier bands from the grunge days, and when this band do work on big guitar tones, big guitar riffs, and very heavy-oriented songs, they really are working at their best. Two of the singles they released are definitely two of the better songs on the album. Those songs are The One You Know and So Far Under. When this band do this kind of stuff, it works perfectly. But a negative thing is while this is a strong album, it does sometimes feel like it is plodding along an all too familiar pace and rhythm. At times, it comes across a bit too repetitive in the sludge doom feeling. It is a hard and harsh thing to say, but it also lacks those real powerful signature songs that they are so famously know. There's not a lot of them on here, if any at all. There are some gems on this album, but none of them really quite hit you in the face with the same force that you're used to, and none of them really stick in your head like they used to. One thing you can't deny, Alice in Chains are definitely a band that still care about what they're doing, and still want to do what they're doing. They don't feel washed up, they don't feel bland, 
and they don't feel like they're going through the motions. A lot of bands that are still going this long into their career can sound very forced, very tried, but Alice in Chains still have that sense of wanting this and still have this sense of urgency to do this. While this album isn't the strongest they've released, it's definitely a really good, solid addition to an already impressive and iconic discography. This album's definitely worth checking out and definitely worth your time. This album is for fans of Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, these kind of bands. It's definitely for fans of the grunge era. The album I am talking about is Rainier Fog. It is by Alice in Chains. It is out now and we do give it a 7 out of 10. Next up for review this week is the debut EP by Panic Wolf called Paralyze Out Now. So as I said, it is their debut EP and it clocks in at five tracks. This is a band that have a beautiful blend of melodic hardcore and metallic hardcore. They're hyper energetic, hyper intense, and they have a lot of intent. Their guitars shift from melodic, beautiful tones to jarring, frenetic, in-your-face tones. This band know their way around a riff, and the use of it is done perfectly. The drums definitely fill the space, and they're thumping and driving as you'd expect. Vocals are grisly and snarling at you, but then also... The cleans are not what you'd expect cleans to be. They're more of a shouting, more of a yelling melody to them. And there's a grit to those cleans that creates something nice on the ears. It's not over-polished. It's not over-shined. It's just that little bit of edge required. This band also make a big play and a big effort for the chorus, for the chorus hooks. They go for it. Breakdowns with this band are not overused, and when they're placed in, they're placed in with purpose, so those breakdowns actually have an effect. If I have to talk about any negatives, sometimes some of these songs sound too familiar. Sometimes these songs sound too much like their influences, but you can kind of let that slide because they are a very young band and are very early in their career. With time, with more releases, they will find their feet better and they will hone their sound to be more of their own. Panic Wolf, without a doubt, have massive amounts of skill and a huge potential behind them. This is undoubtedly a fun release. This is so enjoyable and it's a band that you need to keep your eye on if you're into this melodic hardcore, metallic hardcore genre. This is for fans of Stick to Your Guns, To the Wind, Counterparts, Every Time I Die. I am talking about Paralyze. It is by Panic Wolf. It is out now, and we do give it a 7 out of 10. Our last album up for review this week is the new album by Leached called You Took the Sun When You Left, out now on Prosthetic Records. So first things first. This is 11 tracks, and this is the band's debut album. They are a three-piece, and they reside from Manchester in England. Now, as the title of this album suggests, there's no happiness, there's no bright vibes on this album. 
This is a band that revel in the black, the grim, the bleakness, the angry, and the dark. Sound-wise, what are you getting with Leached? You're getting a very metallic hardcore that likes to suffocate you and assault you in a hulking slab of noise. This album, without a doubt, is an uneasy listen, but that's on purpose. That's exactly what Leech are trying to do. The guitars are perfectly down-tuned to give off maximum crunch and very heavy vibes. The tempos can be very slow, mammoth and destructive, but then they can be very quick, assaulting and frenzied. Very grindcore almost at times. The drums feel like a storm of chaos and at times it feels like the drummer is about to lose control at any minute. Vocals on here are very rough, gritty, there's a snarling bark brutality going on. Without a doubt there's a lot of aggression and explosiveness on this album but there is quite a bit of variety and occasionally a dash of melody and when these are done they are timed at the right moment. If you have to say anything negative... This sound that they're doing, the very blackened metallic hardcore, isn't really fresh anymore, but that's nitpicking if I have to give a negative. Also, if you have to say something in a negative phrase, would also be that if you're not expecting this much of an onslaught, it can feel a bit too much. It can feel a bit too bleak and a bit too dark. But this album overall is excellent. Well-executed debut. It drips with depression blackness and anger and it leaves a mark and a residue on you that you will remember. This is a mysterious blackened hardcore band that has a big metal edge. It has all the aggression you can crave yet it feels vast, compelling and bruising. This is for fans of Employed to Serve, Full of Hell, Nails and Conjurer. The album I am talking about is You Took the Sun When You Left. It is out now. It is on prosthetic records. It is by Leached. And we do give it an 8 out of 10. So that's it for the Mosh Reviews this week. All over, done and dusted. What did you think of our reviews? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Get in touch. Let us know. Is there an album or an EP that's come out that we might have missed? Get in touch. Let us know. Are you in a band? Have you got an EP or an album on the horizon that you'd love us to review? Get in touch. Let us know. Now, of course, if you want to get in touch, there is the email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. You can get in touch through the website, which is www.themoshzone.com. But also, you can get in touch through our social medias. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and all of those are at The Mosh Zone. So get in touch, help us grow this Mosh Zone community. It's now time of the week for our Mosh interview. This week, I got to sit down with Josh of Earthcaller. Thank you so much, Josh, for taking time out for The Mosh Zone. Really appreciate it, dude. I know we had to wait a bit, but we got there in the end. Thank you so much. That chat with Josh is coming up now. You know, do you remember the artist or the instrument or anything like that that really made you discover music? Like, do you remember a band that you discovered and you went, ooh, fuck, there's this thing called music, I'm into it now? 
Uh, yeah, actually, but um, not exactly how you might um, imagine it. Uh, so I, when I went to school, I went to a school that had uh, students from prep to year 12. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, there were these three brothers. One was in year seven, one was in uh, grade six, and one was in um, grade five mm. at the time. Uh, their names were, they were, uh, their last name was Starbuck. Um, and they were, uh, they had a band together. Uh, Jim played drums, Harley played bass, Will sang. And, um, and I remember, uh, being, uh, in primary school, probably, I guess, about like grade three or four at the time. And like watching, um, watching them play together. They were a punk band. Um, and, uh, and, uh, they, they occasionally played assemblies and stuff like that, and I just remember watching them play together and thinking to myself, like, "Wow, that is uh, that's something that I want to do." And then um, eventually, yeah, eventually I started doing it myself. Now, what have you? I know you can play guitar, but was that the instrument you started on, or was it kind of a bit of everything? Uh, no, I definitely, definitely guitar would be my main instrument, or at least it was at the start. But now I. Uh, now I play like piano. I also play bass and closer in Moscow for a little bit. Um, and like, you know, in most hardcore bands, the bass is similar to the guitar, but in closer in Moscow, it was like actually, actually some bass stuff. So it's like, it definitely is like a different, um, it's a different skill set to guitar um, when, you're, when you're playing like rock or funk kind of stuff. Now, um, what was your first yes. album you bought with your own money? Uh, first album I bought with my own money was Perhaps I Suppose by Rufio. Ooh, really? Yeah, yeah. I remember catching the train into the city um, just to buy that album. Like, I heard, like, one song off it um, at a friend's house, and I was just like, i got to get that album. Now, I know you're into, you know, obviously a lot of different styles of music. So, growing up, I mean, did you associate yourself as being an alternative kid or did you just kind of not say you're a metalhead were you just kind of a kid that was into music no no i i definitely i definitely grew up as a, a quote-unquote alternative kid um, like even before even before i started embracing like the punk and the emo and the hardcore and shit like that i was um i was definitely just still like a weird kid <laughs> so, <laughs> How was um, how was school growing up like that for you? Because you're a Melbourne boy, so you know how was it? How was it at school? Did you feel isolated, or was it kind of there were a few other kids that were the same? Nah, um, I, I I did feel a bit isolated, but um, I was always uh, I was always funny, and I had no problem like sticking up for myself and sticking up for like people who were getting bullied and stuff like that. So. Um, I sort of just found my place as like the the funny guy. Like I never really had like I would say like best mates and stuff while I was at school. But like I I sort of just was able to just sort of float around group to group. Everybody liked me enough to hang out with me. So um, so yeah, like I mean like I, like I did feel isolated, but at the same time, like in retrospect, like um, I'm grateful that uh, I'm grateful that I have like a skill set of of like or well a personality, I guess that with uh, enough kinds of different people to sort of pass the time. Yeah, I mean, that, that would have been essential because if you didn't have that personality, you would have just probably, you know, fell down the cracks a bit more and uh, would have been oh, more definitely. isolated. Definitely. That's why I, um, 
that's why I always had such a transient effect bullying and shit because I knew that if I wasn't, I knew that if I wasn't funny and wasn't able to deflect it with humor, like I knew I would be one of the kids that was getting bullied. That's why I always like, that's why if um, I don't know some asshole was like sucking with one of my friends, I wouldn't have any problems with having a go at them. Now, uh, what um, what background are you? Are you Italian? Uh, na- nationality wise? Well, your parents and stuff, because I do know you're from um, a European esque background. Because I do know you love your food. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm like a mostly Italian, like a little bit of French and too, and Irish in there too. But like uh, most of my, uh, most of my ethnicity is Italian. Now, how was it being, you know, alternative with your parents? Did they just kind of accept it, or are they a bit more of the old school that they they didn't like it? Um, well, I think like by the time that I sort of embraced my, uh, like alternative, I guess when like outward projection or whatever, they weren't that surprised because I was always like, I was always like a little bit of a weirdo, like very like a large personality when I was a kid, like couldn't get me to shut up, I think. But, and like, um, so I think like by the time that that stuff floated around, like they weren't really surprised that it was going to be like that, you know. Plus, um, plus I sort of started a band as quickly as I could after I uh, sort of started embracing like the, I guess like alternative music, and um, the band actually went like pretty good for like a fifteen-year-old. Like we were pulling like we were pulling like three hundred kids to the to some freezer shows and stuff like that. So like, um, I think my, the band that I was in at the time and the fact that people liked my songs, um, sort of like legitimized my, um, alternative claims to them as well. So I've, I've been lucky. They've sort of, that's, they've always sort of, they've always sort of been okay with it. And is that the same with music? Are they okay with this being kind of the thing you want to do, the thing you want to make a career out of? Yeah. I, I think that like, um, they were always really supportive of me during my teenage years and it only sort of made sense that it was going to trickle into my adult years. Well, more than trickle, it's the main focus of my adult years. But um, I think like, just I think just the way that I was, my passion, the fact that I like got into it straight away and like never stopped. Um, I think that that sort of just proved like, it just sort of served as proof to them that I'm doing what I should be doing. Well, that's good. I mean, it's always good to have that. Not a lot of people get that, but it is good to have that as well. That 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 helps you push on. Now, yeah, definitely. You were saying there a band when you were fifteen. Were you vocalist at the time? Um, I was the guitarist um, of my very first band. But I was while I was doing that band, I was also doing. I, I start like when I started, I joined a metal band on vocals. And I started doing that. My other band was a, uh, like, I guess, screamer band. <laughs> hey, everyone had that phase. Anyone that says they didn't have that phase is uh, probably lying to themselves. We all had that phase. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, my friends were that this man. Now, what what was the metal band you started out vocally? Um, uh, it was called Meridian. Okay. Um, we actually we actually didn't do too badly. Um, uh, we got we got like a lot of shares on the internet, and like the hardcore scene kind of like was pretty supportive to us, even though that we were like a metal band or whatever. Um, and yeah, like we played a bunch of shows that was super fun. Um, but yeah, after that, like um, 
most of, actually, up until Earthcaller, I would say that I spent most of my time like playing guitar in bands. Like that was like just sort of like a one-off exception. But the rest of the bands that I've ever been in, I've been on guitar. Now, with going into being a vocalist, did um, did you ever take lessons? Did you ever like YouTube? Uh, abilities and techniques or did you just kind of wing it and go as you go no I I actually just started practicing it um, just like screaming into my pillow (laughs) (laughs) listening to listening to the bands that I like and then um, and then um, after a while I saw that um, oh bloody hell what's it called Um, you know uh, the Zen of Screaming oh yes Melissa Cross yes that's right um, and she just sort of like, like, uh, that information just sort of like enhanced what I was doing. And, um, I would say now, um, I would say now because of that sort of stuff, like, uh, like my, my, like as a vocalist, I've noticed that like a lot of guys, if you go on like a long tour or whatever, like if you're doing everywhere in Australia or something like that, um, a lot of guys like burn out or whatever, but like, I feel like, um, because I apply like technique and just some shit I've learned along the way of like I've, I guess I've been doing it since I was fifteen. So um, yeah, like I've noticed that my vocal, like my voice kind of like holds out um, quite well. Um, but yeah, like I'm mostly like self-taught. But it's it's not that dissimilar to to regular singing. Like if you actually if you actually like have technique or whatever, like you sing from your diaphragm, you only use your throat to sort of. Um, at tone rather than volume, like mm. that's that's the that's the correct way of doing it. Like if you if you're using your throat to give you volume, you're gonna get nodules. You're gonna destroy your shit. And and when you started out, I mean, your style in Earthcaller is, um, I wouldn't say it's stock standard. It's quite different and unique in a good way because it's yelling, there's screaming, there's I wouldn't want to say hip hop, but there is also that bit of kind of rhyming element going on. When you when you brought this to the table, was it just it just happened, or did you kind of go, "I want to be different. I want to stand out from the pack." Um, I, I've always like sort of, I guess, subconsciously wanted to stand out or whatever, be different. But when I was approaching how my vocals were going to sound in Earthcaller, I just like made a decision early on where I said to myself, like. I want to be like, yeah, I want to be different and stand out, but I just want to be myself. Like, and, and, um, like I, I really, I'm really into rap. Um, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I rap myself, like, you know, um, professionally, yeah, but, uh, maybe one day. Um, like, you know, I like singing those big choruses, like in form and stuff like that. And I like, um, I like doing like the really low screams, like in you know, no forgiveness, your enemy, all that kind of stuff. Like, and like I grew up on like um, I grew up on like New York hardcore and shit, like Madball. So that's why, yeah, you know, like that's why all that sort of stuff is in there. Like I feel like I feel like in heavy music, all the genres really go hand in hand if you think about it. And I just wanted to sort of put something together that represented all of them well, I guess. Yeah, and I think I think it definitely it shows. And I know there was an EP before. Um, degenerate kind of kick-started things. Um, yeah. And, hey, we everyone does it. You know, there's always that one thing we go, oh, shit, what the fuck did we do that for? But... Yeah. but it was undercooked. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, it, everything is undercooked sometimes. 
Um, yeah, that's it. Now, Degenerate kind of, before Degenerate happened, how did you assemble the squad? Because I know there's been a lot of things that have happened <laughs> which will come across when we get to them, but how did the band come together for Degenerate? For Degenerate, okay. Um, actually, funnily enough, um, my housemate um, at the time knew uh, two of the guys, and then one of those guys brought in uh, the drummer, Luke, um, and, and, uh, yeah, so it kind of assembled out of like the mutual sort of connections of, um, my housemate who were, at the time was, uh, his name's Nicholas Simon, he's the singer of Caution Thieves. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so he just knew all the dudes and then they all just came over and then that was Earth Call. Wow. And, um, and at first with, with Earth Caller, um, you were very much, a band that was on the grind and you still are a band that's on the grind. Now, yeah. were you, before the album dropped, were you feeling any momentum? Did you feel like things were going in the right way? Uh, is this with Degener- Degenerate? Yeah, just before Degenerate. Uh, yeah, yeah, it really did feel like, uh, at the time, it really did feel like, um, yeah, things were like moving like really fast. Like we dropped two songs and then we played Unify. Yeah, it, it kind of it, it really was out of nowhere, and and then you know that album, there really is quite a bit that went on there, from what I understand, because there's you had the link up with um, Shane of um, what is it, the Hit Brick House, the Brick Brick Hit. Brick That's hit it. Um, how'd that link up come? Uh, through Hand of Mercy. Hand of Mercy. Um, we're recording with Shane at the time, and. Um, I'm friends. I'm friends with those guys. Like they've always been like super cool to me. Like we even still, when we tra- when we're traveling, like we'll we'll still like stay with uh, the drummer CJ. Um, but they were recording with Shane at the time, and um, uh, they showed Shane. They were just like have have a listen to this band or whatever, and they showed him the Your Enemy video clip, and then he reached out. Um, he reached out to us, just saying like, you know, I'd really like to work with you, and um, appreciate it think your stuff is like really dope and then um you know uh i i actually knew who shane was beforehand because like he produced like some of my favorite records like bury your dad and stuff mm-hmm. and um and yeah uh and then yeah that's just how it happened like it's funny how these things all sort of just fall into See, that's place the thing, that's the thing um sorry to sorry to get a bit sidetracked but like that's like it's just sort of brings to mind, like, if I had to give any advice to, like, some young musicians or whatever, or some people that are, like, you know, um, doing their best to break through as an artist. Like, I think the the best advice that I can give is, like, don't, don't give up because if you've got it, you've got it. And, like, regardless of whether or not you're getting the right opportunities just yet, if you just work on your craft like really hard, and um, and then when it comes showtime that you deliver something that is undeniable, eventually people won't be able to deny it, and you'll get those opportunities. Well, exactly. I mean, you you guys or you know the band, it you know it, it. I think there was a lot of time from from what I've gathered with the you know the thank you notes, but also just in general, there was also a lot of doubters. I think or you guys came up. across cross a lot of hurdles before that album and then 
you guys released that album and then well, what's the right way of saying shit hit the fan kind of out of nowhere and i mean what was what, what was it like for you at the time because suddenly you were the last one standing well yeah like um yeah like yeah it was a, i don't know like everything to do with degenerate was kind of like a real like it was sort of a surreal experience i suppose that i suppose that sort of vein of experiences haven't really stopped yet like because we're still having some pretty crazy ones but um but yeah like it's just um i don't know like yeah like earth color uh, when, sorry, um, just to clarify with that question, I suppose you're talking about like just sort of like all of the internet drama and the haters and all that kind of stuff, yeah? Yeah, exactly, which I, which is an unfortunate thing about the current landscape we live in, but it's just, it's not necessary, but you guys copped a lot of it out of nowhere. Yeah, well, um, well, I guess I kind of, the way that I sort of rationalise it in my head is, the reality is, is like, we were sort of thrust onto the map like pretty out of nowhere. Like as in, you know, we dropped some songs off Degenerate. Those were the first two songs most people ever heard about us, uh, from us. And then all of a sudden we're playing a festival. And I think that like, uh, I think that like a lot of the hate that was generated from that was just because, you know, like it's, uh, in the music industry, like people are, people are like all vying for a tiny slice of one pie, right? Mm. And then when a band sort of, um, who some people can consider to have not paid their dues or whatever, um, just sort of gets thrust onto like the main, like, you know, like the, the mainstream map or whatever of that genre, a lot of people are going to be pissed off. But, um, I didn't take it personally because, uh, because I just took it as, you know, ignorance because I have paid my dues. Like I've been in, I've been doing bands since I was 15 years old. Like, the reason that Earth Caller has, you know, done what it's done is because of all the mistakes I've made and the lessons I've learned over that time. And I was able to, you know, put together a product and release it in such a way that would bypass a lot of the fucking around that you have to do normally when you start. Yeah, but doesn't, doesn't I mean, that's, wouldn't it be really, I mean, in that state of people just, giving shit um and lashing out i mean it's it's got to be really frustrating because you you can't really argue with them because you can't get through to them because they don't listen they just that's their thing that they're sticking to and it doesn't matter what you say that they're going to keep saying it yeah i mean like there are definitely like some things more than others that have like the trick is is that you don't you don't want to let it get to you you don't want to engage with it but like i mean uh, there was this one, like I'll always tell this story because it's just kind of funny, but like there was one comment, like out of all the stuff that people have like said over the years, like there was one comment um, on the Your Enemy video, I believe, where this <laughs> this, <laughs> this like troll posted, uh, the singer looks like a fat pedophile. <laughs> and like because of that one, honestly, because of that one comment, like, I ended up like dropping like 10, 15 kilos because of it. I guess in the hopes to look like a not so fat pedophile. Uh, uh, you're trying <laughs> but, to hopefully to look like a thin pedophile. Yeah, a, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Rather than a Rubenesque one. <laughs> but that, um, I think that's also what people don't understand is it, it is it is a personal attack and they're hiding behind oh, the keyboard. Yeah. 
No, because that, that, that can't ever go down in an acceptable way. You're not going to go, oh, okay, I can see that. Yeah, thanks. Especially considering I have never fucked any children. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, quite, it's quite an obscene comment. Um, yeah. Now, uh, all that hate was coming, and then why did why – did because from what I understand, everyone just left you. Um, now, was it tensions arising, or was it kind of – Everything not working oh, you, out. Do you mean um, do with you mean the band. Like the band members and stuff? Yeah. Okay. Well, it wasn't sort of it was it didn't sort of really go down like that. Like it wasn't like everybody sort of like left at once. There was just like this like reshuffling of the deck. Like members left sort of one by one, I guess. But the reality, I think the, I think the, just. The way that the band begun was so unorthodox to how bands normally begin that it took a lot of sort of reshufflings to get the lineup correct. Like, um, essentially what happens when those people start a band is that, you know, there's a guy who writes some songs and he thinks to himself, like, oh, well, I'd like to play these live. I'll get some other members. And then, you know, the slow build of, like, finding the right people before you actually release anything, before you actually, like, you know, have written anything. That's, like, the sort of, I guess, uh, that's sort of, I guess, like, the normal parts that people sort of go into to beginning a band. Whereas, like, with Earthcore, I, um, I had already written an album. I, I needed members. And, um, you know, I showed people, and they obviously thought the material was good. And so I was able to just, like, get, you know, three other guys who were like up for joining like straight away but the reality is is that like because we didn't go through the the regular sort of path of finding members it was sort of more people joining for the fact that they could already hear that the music was going to be good and like think it was going to be an easy ride I guess mm. um, and like and also, like, and also at the time, I was obviously like a way different person to how I am now. Like, I was definitely a lot, a lot less stable. Um, you know, just like I was doing my best to find my way in the world. Like after um, the sort of my my past history and like you know just sort of recovering from that and just trying to be the best person that I can be. And um, it took like I guess it like. I guess it like took a while to become the leader that I wanted to be. And fortunately now the lineup that we have is like very solid. Like it's very much like a family. There's no like internal drama. There's no ego bullshit. There's no hierarchy. It's just me and my three brothers. And, you know, we're, um, we're just, we're just going to be gigging and recording forever. Yeah, and I think I think you can tell that, and you can also tell that on the follow-up album, Crystal Death, because, I mean, I know you've kind of touched on it there, but the first album, Degenerate, it was personal, but it also was very much a middle finger, um, it felt. Yeah. And that's, a, that's a good thing. I don't mean that in a negative thing at all. But no, no, no. I think Crystal uh, Death definitely feels like you're very much pouring yourself out into the microphone. And yeah. 
Was that something that was difficult for you or did you find it very cathartic to unleash all of this shit that had built up? Well, a little bit of both actually because I found it very difficult to have the balls to, to do that initially. Mm. Like, because, like, I thought, like, you know, when I was writing Degenerate, I thought, the, you know, the bravest piece of music that I could write would be something where I'm like, you know, like, like you said, sticking my middle finger up at, you know, mm. like, fuck this, fuck that kind of thing, right? And at the time, at the time, I guess that was, like, the most cathartic thing for me to do. But um, the second time around, I wanted to... I sort of realized that, like, I sort, I sort of asked myself, okay, what am I actually afraid to say? Like, what am I, what what things make me uncomfortable? Because I wanted to, I guess, because, um, you know, I'm always trying to, I'm always trying to improve at my craft. Like, I always want to release something better than the last thing that I released, you know? Mm. And so, like, I started asking myself the hard questions and I sort of found, well, actually, sort of being vulnerable is a hard thing for me. Um, you know, talking about the very personal things that I'm like feeling is hard for me. And I just sort of, I just sort of like took those emotions and, and just thought about like what I want to achieve with music, with my songwriting. And the answer to that is always, I want it to help people, you know? I think, I think and it does I, too. I, th- I mean, have you had people come to you and say this song, you know, like, um, a ghost or the song like Hold On or has anyone come up and said this has helped me? Oh dude. I've had some like I've had some of those moments like that are like really like uh really sort of like I guess like emotionally moving. Like there's a bloke in Brisbane who told me that it before he heard uh like before he heard Shadow Dance he was like really close to killing himself and like the lyrics of that song gave him the strength to not do it and like that was pretty like it's pretty hard to like well it's pretty i guess just sort of like like in like when when somebody comes up to you and tells you that they were going to kill themselves and something that you did made them not want to do that like it's pretty hard to know how to react to that but um my go-to emotion when something like you know i guess powerful happens in my life is gratitude mm. like i'm i feel really happy that he's that he told me that because that's what that song was supposed to be for and so like it feels like a success and like you know well not a success like mission accomplished kind of thing yeah it also and, sh- it um, shows you you're on the right path yeah and um i've had a i've had another uh this chick tell me once that um she was like going through like a uh, pretty serious medical condition and um the nurse would play like uh, one of like would play our album for her when she was like uh, in her downtime and stuff like because that was her favorite album and like you know just like just all kinds of like nice stuff like that and like um, my intention with Earthcaller as I said before has always been to help people and to know that it actually does is like uh, uh, like a, like I feel blessed for it but um, with Crystal Death I wanted to help people in a different way and the way that I chose to help people out was. Um, was by like really just sort of tapping into the to like the vein of of, of like the, well sort of getting to the core of um getting to the core of like the uh the things that I was feeling the things that I wanted to get out and you know have finding the courage to actually to 
to get it out and the and post finding that courage and actually going for it, like then it became a very cathartic experience. Like uh like you recording Crystal Death. I take that as like one of my one of the experiences in life that made me like a stronger and better man. Do you do you find any of the songs on there that you know because it is very much um, a snapshot of you at the time of writing? Are any of those songs difficult to listen to, or are any of the lyrics uh, bring up raw emotions again? Um, I actually find I actually find the way I feel about old songs is the opposite to that. Like. Um, at the, at the time that I'm writing them, they're very difficult to write. Like, you know, sometimes like you'll just be like sort of jotting down lyrics and you'll think of something that's like, you know, gold or whatever, and it'll make you get a little bit teary yourself. Like that's how you know that you're writing something that's worthwhile. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like I find listening back on those songs, I find, I find to have like more of like a nostalgic feeling rather than like a raw emotion kind of feeling because writing those songs and recording them and putting them out, that's, that is the way of getting over those things, you know, like, well, like getting through those things. And then when you listen back on it, it's just more sort of like, I guess like a, there's like to an extent, it's a, it's a happiness, like just thinking about like, Oh, that's where I was in my head back then. Like, look where I am now. Haven't we come a long way, you know? And that's, a, that's, it's a, a good feeling to know that you've, you've progressed, that you've moved on. You know? That's a great thing. Now this yeah. this album, Crystal Death, you had all that negativity and you know slandering going on with Degenerate, but it seems that things have taken a twist the other way now, or it does from the outside. It seems that now everyone's praising you. Um, yeah. Looks like it's gone the other way. So what's it been like? What's the reception been for you guys? Uh, I honestly, like, uh, I actually have noticed that same thing myself and I'm glad that you brought it up because it sort of validifies the notion. Um, like, cause you know, it's hard to tell what people are, how people are perceiving your, what your work is while you're in the middle of it. It's like, hard, it's a hard thing to sort of perceive correctly. Mm. But, um, but yeah, I'm just, uh, like, yeah, I, I thought that. I thought while I was recording Crystal Death that this is a more honest album. This is a more sort of uh, mature and genuine piece of work. And I had a feeling that people would embrace it a lot easier, like, or, or want to embrace it more. Um, and that's, I guess, the way it sort of played out. And that, to me, um, yeah, like, it, it, it's a more enjoyable experience when a lot of people are telling you that it's good rather than... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah oh it's, it's always better to have people praise it rather than tell you that you're a fat pedophile so it's always more enjoyable <laughs> yeah yeah there's been none of that i guess I've, i guess i've uh i guess i've shaken off that pedophile look that i once had yeah that's so two years ago so <laughs> now one one thing you guys also have um that is very much i think yeah, I think not many bands in Australia have it, is you guys are renowned for your live show, as in not just what you guys do, but how the crowd seems to react. Now, has that been something that you've had to, like, build towards, or is it kind of been from the offset, everyone just kind of goes nuts for you guys? Uh, um, 
because pits go insane when you guys play. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I've noticed. Um, yeah, like, um, but um, I think it's something that we cultivated. Um, I like one of our earliest shows was, as I mentioned before, that Unify Festival, and like, you know, I'm talking like that's Earth Caller's like tenth show, maybe, you know, um, and then you see a crowd that started off at 400, grow to 1,500. And then, like, you know, there's a giant circle pit. Like, to have that so early on in your sort of, I guess, career just sort of fucks with your head a little bit. And, like, um, you want to, like, relive that moment. But, you know, you're, you're that early on in your career that it's, like, not, not going to happen um, that often. And it's sort of just, I guess, like woke up this like burning desire to want to have that sort of thing happen at your shows like and from there I believe like the desire to cultivate it sort of began and like when it comes down to it like this is heavy music the shows are where it all really matters like you know I'll be there to be good and stuff like that but what you're delivering to a live audience is is the real is the real challenge and um, because the shows have to be the shows have to be lit, you know. Like mm. that's the whole point of going to a heavy music show. It's because it's more lit than every other kind of show. And um, and yeah, like uh, I think it's something that we've definitely like worked towards to like get that good. Like I know I know that like a big part, like I've found over the years, that a big part of what makes that happen isn't just the way that you play the songs as a band. It's sort of like the things that I'll say in between songs, like like what kind of demeanor I have, like sort of brings that out in the audience. And um, like, and yeah, like, yeah, like I guess it's to get to where we are right now with the show, which is the happiest I've ever been. Um, we definitely like worked hard towards it, I would say. Yeah. And you guys, you guys have been, you know, you've had quite a few tours or shows this year and You've also been selling out quite a few. I mean, that's got to be a it's got to be a trip. You know, you're now able to say we can sell out a room. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, like, yeah, it is quite a like it is quite a trip. Like, um, it, it it feels good. Like, it feels like we've taken at least like a step in in the direction that we want to go. Like, you know, now we sell out rooms in Melbourne, Sydney. Like, you know, hopefully by the end of this year, we can say that we sold out a room in Brisbane, sold out a room in Adelaide, you know. Like, uh, we're going to Perth with uh, with Saviour pretty soon. Um, we're in the process of organising our own headlines from when we're there. But, um, uh, yeah, just like working out the finer details and stuff, like that'll be announced pretty soon, hopefully. And um, you're off to America, aren't you? Uh, yeah. Okay. You're about to, you're about to get a, an exclusive bit of information on this podcast. Oh, um, we are unfortunately are having to cancel that trip. Oh, what happened? Uh, our visas got knocked back much like a lot of Aussie bands. Like I think that a lot of Aussie bands have experienced, including Ocean Grove, make them suffer. These nuts in the past. Like, it's just, it's so fucking hard to get into there. And like we had the full, we literally had the full support of Continental Concerts, who are amazing to us. Um, shout out to them; uh, they're the ones that were putting on the tour, and and the full support of our um, 
of our booking agent, Sean Mott, in the States. Uh, and essentially, like, we had to put together, like, an application for the for the visas. The You know, like, the application had to show, like, all of these things, like, like chart placements and where you've been played on the radio, where you've played shows already. Like, and I put together what was, I thought, to be, like, a pretty compelling application but um apparently uh apparently we haven't had enough international touring experience to be allowed into the the states yet which yeah, well, is unfortunate that's the whole idea of getting over there to start your experience <laughs> right like it's that thing that's it's like when you go for a job and they say you don't have any experience and it's like well that's why i'm trying to get the experience like yeah well, man, why don't you give it to me yeah but that's the exact same thing that's that's insane. So obviously that's going to be put on the back burner. But I mean, are you guys going to look maybe next year to try and get over there again, or are you going to maybe look at Europe? Because I think your sound yeah, would go we're, down we're in gonna Europe. Look at Europe. Yeah, fuck yeah. With with maybe with Andrew and Comeback Kid boys. Oh, I hope so, man. I hope so. That'd be fucking tight. Oof. Um, they fucking annihilate Europe every time they go. Oh, that they they, they kind of live there pretty much. Yeah, they do. Um, but, um, but yeah, basically, um, basically, basically this is, this was the plan, um, because it, the, the most unfortunate thing about America is not just the initial tour that we had planned, but the plans after we were applying for a year long visa because we actually had two tours locked in after that tour. And we had uh, a recording session booked for, with Shane, um, as well, which of course we all had to cancel because um uh but the good news is is that um the good news is is that this situation has only um has only put pushed forward the uh the need to record new music and um and put some new stuff out which uh which i'm happy to say that instead of going to america we've chosen to to uh give some new music to our fans Oh, so what are you thinking? Another album, or because, or are you going to do an EP? Or that's yet to be seen. But um, we're sort of just we're lucky because we're in a position where we can kind of wing it. Like we've got some like really good shit booked before the end of the year. We're going to Perth with Savior. We're going to Brisbane for the Halloween Hysteria. So um, it's sort of like having that kind of like uh, having that kind of good stuff going on. And um, we're going to announce some Melbourne and Sydney stuff pretty soon. Um, uh, just knowing that we're going to be able to hit everywhere before the end of the year has sort of like freed us up to to just sort of go into the studio and whatever happens, what it is, what happens. Uh, we begin that um, next. Oh, sorry, uh, this Saturday. Oh fuck yeah, that'll be good. So yeah, that that that's really exciting. There'll be more music on the horizon, and I think that shows that you guys don't settle on your laurels. You just you keep pushing. No, um, I have been having these feelings recently like like I'm sure that you would notice from your experience in, in like you know covering music and talking to artists and, and you know just being in the music scene in general yourself um, that an album what an album was five years ago isn't what an album is today like yeah. an album five years ago would be something that you could sort of rest on for like one, two, maybe three years before you have to record another one. But these days, because of like streaming culture and the change in the way that people consume music, um, you know, you'll release an album, but 
the very same people who are listening to it have access to like a hundred thousand other albums. And so the attention span for an album has sort of shortened. And yeah, so it, sort of, it is. And I think, I think also part of it is like you said, five years ago, people actually listened to a whole album. I think nowadays yeah, they yeah, that's don't. Another thing. Yeah. I don't think that they might, they'll, you know, they'll go, okay, so earth caller released this single and this single, I'll check them out. And then they don't check out the other eight songs. Yeah, like I, I think that most bands have that experience where like we've been pretty fortunate in that our fans are kind of like a little bit diehard. Like I've noticed that like every song on the album now is getting close to like, um, like is they're sort, they're sort of all like close to the same amount of listens, which is pretty tight. Um, but uh, but yeah, like most bands, like most bands definitely have that problem. And in our case, like the sort of problem we have is that our fans are like listening to the album and stuff like that. And they're like giving it a proper thrashing or whatever, but you can tell that they already want new stuff. And so like, I'm thinking to myself, like, why don't I just keep on giving them new stuff? Like, why don't I just make that my mission? Like just keep on putting out new music little by little fan base grows, you know, more people digging it. There's always a bit of hype, you know, it's a smart way of doing it because as you said, with how much music is available, at people's fingertips, they do, easily forget about a band if the band's not constantly giving them something whether it's a music video whether it's a single whether it's new merch and that's that's one of the pressures that you're obviously finding a way to balance because that would also be a pressure with social media do you find social media is a helpful tool or do you find it it's a bit of a evil tool i feel like it has the capacity to be both Mm, yeah because like for example Social media was the thing that built Michael Crafter, and now it's the thing that's tearing him down. You know? Oh, yeah, I know. It's it's insane. It's like it's it it just has the capacity. I just don't like it's people don't understand that like like I remember a time where the internet didn't exist, mm-hmm. and now people's entire lives are happening on it, and. I think that literally as humans, because this is such a new and uncharted way to communicate and be in touch with each other, I think that we haven't fathomed the the, the implications of it yet as people. And so you've got things like happening like cyberbullying, you've got like, you know, um, people attaching themselves to like bandwagons and, you know, being part of like a campaign to like destroy certain people or be against certain people or hate certain people or love certain people or, you know, like all those kinds of things. And I think that like, I think that like, because we don't have the frame of reference to understand like where this is all going, I think that we're just basically just like, uh, we're basically just using this tool and trying to, I guess, balance the pendulum as best as we can. And it's, it's obviously being pretty messy right now. It is. I, I, and I think you hit something on right on the nail there. And my big thing that I cannot stand is this social warrior element of social media, where if they think something's wrong, it's wrong and you can't debate it with them. There's no more debate. There's no more discussion. It is, this is what I think's wrong and that's all that matters. And then they go out of their way to make sure that what they think is wrong is stopped. And 
opinion is something that's now blown out because too much opinion is given now. It's no longer, this is what I like. It is, this is my opinion, and you're going to accept it as the opinion. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I find it all very annoying as well. I just do my best to try not experience it. Like the social justice warrior thing, like, um, I don't know, man. It's just like, see, this is an example of what I was talking about before, like with the, because it's such a new way to communicate, we're finding that we're having these things happen, like where a small group of people can, you know, basically just say a person is this based on this action, this one action from their life, and then that's what they are, you know? Like, and sometimes, sometimes it's, um, sorry, you there? Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. I thought I, I thought I accidentally dropped out for a second. No, you're all good. Um, yeah, so sometimes, you know, it has righteous, righteous, like, you know, um, like a righteous result, like for example, like obviously Harvey Weinstein had to fucking go. Mm. Yeah. Um, but then there's, but then there's been times where there's been times where like people have unfairly sort of uh, been made into like you know monsters or whatever when they're not actually that. And um, yeah, I just think that like I just think that. I just think that people need to remember the importance of conversations and mm. listening to the perspectives of people that might not necessarily feel the same way as them about certain things and engaging in a dialogue because that is the way that we will reach understanding and like, you know, true, true tolerance, true understanding, not this, um, not this fake version of it that we are experiencing. Oh, amen. And and also, at the end of the day, we we do need to all try and get along. And you see the negativity and it's just, oh, I just... And, and people, like something that someone said recently, which I think is really smart, is these people that try and portray they have a perfect life, they're only showing you the perfect aspects of their life. There's probably things yeah, about perfect. their life they don't show that aren't good. Oh yeah, 100% man. Like everything, like everything that's going on now, in reality, people aren't ever expressing a true version of reality. They're cherry picking bits of it, you know? That's what everybody's doing at the moment, they're cherry picking. Like, you know, like, um, like, like Instagram. It's It's funny that this has the ability to to really show somebody who you are, like, you know, the social media, it gives you a platform to be able to show people like what your life really is. But it's more often than not breathing like an insincere version of it. Like, like, I mean, as a person, like I try not to put any negativity out there on social media. I think like having a positive mental attitude is like a, it's like a very important thing. Mm. Um, And like, I think that like, as a person, a part of that is, only bringing positivity to other people's lives. So, like, you know, I don't like to put any of my issues or problems out on social media. Um, like, and I'm not saying that people should. Um, but I think people just need to recognize, like, life and social media are two different things. Um, like, people need to work out 
or remember where the line for each of them is. Okay? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, before we wrap things up, I just got one last question and then I do my final segment. Try, we'll try and pick up the vibe here, get a little bit more positive. Um, not yeah, that we yeah. weren't positive, but, you know, it, everything you said spot on and I agree with you 400-fold. And um, Likewise, man. What we've got is you're a hardcore band. Some people call you metalcore. But where do you see hardcore in 2018? Do you see it still having the same power and meaning and community? Or do you think we're losing a bit of that? Oh, good question. Um, I think that I think that if we allow this bullshit uh this bullshit negativity that's going on in social media across the board and like life across the board i feel like if we allow all of that shit to permeate into our scene then um then we will experience a loss of that meaning and power but i think that if we do what our predecessors and ancestors in this hardcore scene have done which is find a way to let the, the values of hardcore and metal permeate into life itself rather than the other way around, I think that we will be able to uh, enhance and, sh- and grow our scene and strengthen it, strengthen the foundation. Fuck yeah. Great response. Fuck yeah. Thank you. <laughs> now, last segment I do is called Pick Your Poison. So this one, yeah. have, have a little fun with this. Now, you look at this, you've got two options. And you have to pick the one you'll be left with for the rest of your life. Oh, okay. Okay, so it sounds simple, but they start to get a bit hard. So, okay. first one is pizza or burger. Oh man. Um. Oh man, I think I'm gonna have to disgrace my nationality here and go with burger. Ooh, okay. Chicken or yeah. beef? Beef. Oh, that was simple. Wow, straight off. Beer or whiskey? Oh, you motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) I know you like your drop, so I knew this would be a hard one. Dude, how do I even, how do I even, how do I even do this? Like, it's like picking like which which one of your parents you want to die. (laughs) Okay, so let's look at it a different way. Would you prefer a cheap beer or a cheap whiskey? I would prefer a cheap beer over a cheap whiskey. There you go. That's that 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 can work. We can work with that one. Okay. Um, okay. This one will be another hard one. Cooking or dining out? Oh man. Um. I think dining out just for the just for the just you get you get like a very special feeling when you're dining out, especially in the uh, more upmarket establishments or even in like the reverse of that in like the kind of dive establishments where they've got good food. Yes. It's just like, yeah, there's, I think there's too much of like a, like, but, but having said that, like I, I do cook and I like, I fancy myself quite good at it, but I think I'd have to go with dining out because I'm definitely, because there's definitely better cooks out there than me. <laughs> okay, next one, cinema or on the couch? Ooh, on on the couch because um, they don't let you bring your bong into the cinemas. <laughs> no, and cinemas are fucking expensive nowadays. 
That's ridiculous. Yeah, and they don't let you bring a bong in. <laughs> Just emphasis on the bong. Um, yeah. Beach or snow? Snow, for sure. Okay, this one's a bit of a retro one. Skateboarding or rollerblading? Skateboarding, 100%. I still do that shit. PS4 or Xbox? Oh, um... Xbox just because it's the one that I have more experience with. All right. Cat or dog? Dog. Okay. Now we're getting into some movie ones. Terminator or Predator? Wow. Um, both so good. Uh, Terminator. Okay. Rambo or Rocky? Uh, I got to go with my culture here and go with, uh, go with Rocky. Freddy or Jason? Jason. Okay. MacGyver or Walker, Texas Ranger? Walker, Texas Ranger, because I don't want to get around the house by Chuck Knight. <laughs> no one wants to make, mess with Chuck. No. Slayer, Slayer or Pantera? Uh, um, dude, this is like the beer whiskey one <laughs> for me. <laughs> um, Pantera. Okay, this will be another hard one. Terror or Madball? Oh, dude. Um, um, I might, I might go with Terror. Just because, just because I've met those guys and they're like super, super cool. Yeah. Like, uh, I've got more of a bit, bit more of a personal connection with that band, I guess. Oh, I can't wait for the new album too. Um, yeah, always. <laughs> Metallica or Megadeth? Metallica. Um, Undertaker or Kane? Oh, um, Undertaker is the goat, but I like, like Kane is like the underdog, I guess. I'll go with Kane. Okay. Triple H or Heartbreak Kid? Oh, Triple H. I like that guy. He's, bad, he's pretty he's bad to the bone. Now, last few. Mosh pit or up the back? Um, when I watch a show, you, you tell me which one my selection is. Because I, cause I can't, because um, I'm not sure how to answer it. My, <laughs> my ideal viewing position for, for, a, for a heavy show is up the back at the front of, like at the, the, the rim of the mosh pit. You know, like I like to be stand, I like to be part of the circle. I think that's spot on. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I'm too old to get in the mosh pit, but I still want to be close enough yep. to be in, enjoying the show. Yeah, and like if I cop a stray fucking kick to the chest, like so be it. Yeah, it's a mosh pit. You expect it, you know. But yeah. I'm I'm certainly not going to get in the pit. Like no, no. Yeah. Break my kneecap <laughs> or some shit. Too old. Yeah, just explode my hip. <laughs> now, last two touring or recording. Dude. Oh, you know what? Um, if you had asked me this question pre this lineup, I would have said recording. But now, with the boys that are in the band, I got to say touring because you just, just the vibes are so good. Nice. Now, last one. This one's a triple one because it all depends: CD, vinyl, or downloading. Um. Definitely not CD. <laughs> C- 
CD was a turd, but it was a necessary turd for a while. Um, vinyl for listening experience, downloading for convenience. Um, Josh, thank you so much, dude. Epic, epic chat, dude. Oh, awesome. Yeah, glad you had it. Like, I, I had a good time. That last segment was super fun. It was super difficult. No, any time, brother, that was fun. So that was my chat with Josh of Earthcaller. Thank you so much, homie. Really appreciate you taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Now, of course, at home, if you are listening and you haven't heard Earthcaller's music yet, what are you waiting for? Get online, get on Spotify, get on iTunes, get on Bandcamp, represent and support your local bands. Thank you again, Josh. Much love. And that is the Mosh Zone episode 33 done and dusted for this week thank you for tuning in i hope you've had a good time listening i hope you enjoyed the show i certainly enjoyed putting it together as always if you're a first time listener thank you for tuning in i hope you come back in future episodes thank you for giving us a crack if you're a regular listener much love and respect and thank you for tuning in as always guys this week if you've got a few moments of bit of spare time help us out and tell everyone you know about the mosh zone share it on your social medias tell your friends help us get out to more listeners your help doesn't go unnoticed and is always appreciated so that's it no more to ramble on about thank you for tuning in have a great week stay safe open the perch